This episode is brought to you by FX's The Veil, starring Elizabeth Moss. FX's The Veil is an international spy thriller that follows two women as they play a deadly game of truth and lies on the road from Istanbul to Paris and London. One woman has a secret, and the other has a mission to reveal it before thousands of lives are lost. FX's The Veil, now streaming, only on Hulu. Side of Midnight with Frank Morano. the other side of midnight i'm frank morano there is simply no one like jeffrey lyons in many respects he's sort of a jack of all trades he's been a five-time emmy award winner he's reviewed probably twenty thousand films probably two thousand broadway and off-broadway plays interviewed more actors than i can name written many books but the uh, oh somehow managed to get a law degree in, in that time but the amazing thing about Jeffrey Lyons is that there is just about any name that you could throw at him, and he has a personal story, anecdote, or observation about knowing them, observing them, meeting them. I think he might be the only person who you could throw out the name Kirk Douglas or uh, or Joseph McCarthy, and he'll have a similarly awe-inspiring story about both. Uh, I always treasure the opportunity to talk with him because he's really the only person who, if he's not an expert in everything, certainly sounds like an authority in any subject I can think of. Uh, Very pleased to welcome the man that I consider to be the world's greatest film critic, an author of many books whose latest book is Hemingway and Me, Letters, Anecdotes, and Memories of a Life-Changing Friendship. Jeffrey, it's great to talk with you. Great to be back with you. How did Joe McCarthy get into that introduction? He was a terrible man. (laughs) But you still... Unless you mean Marsh Joe McCarthy, the former Yankee manager. I am sure you have a story about him somehow. No, Roy Cohn, actually, uh, who was his attorney. Uh, I'm ashamed to say we knew him. And one night we had a we had a surprise birthday uh, anniversary party for my parents the next night. And we got Sammy Kahn, who wrote Love and Marriage and, and High Hopes and all those Sinatra songs. And we got him to rhyme the, to, to the tune of uh, Cole Porter's The Lady is a Tramp. He rhymed the names of all the guests that were there. It's a big surprise party. The night before, Roy Cohn ran into my father when my father was making his nightclub rounds for his Broadway column, and he said, hey, your sons are holding a surprise party for you tomorrow night. How come I wasn't invited? 
That's my that's my Roy Cohn story. Or somebody somebody asked Roy Cohn once how many suits you have. He said pressed or pending. <laughs> that's very funny. Hey, um, Roy Cohn, for people that may not remember, uh-huh. was uh, the uh, counsel to Joseph McCarthy's uh, Senate mm-hmm. Investigations Committee. His other counsel was Robert F. Kennedy. Yesterday we were yes. talking about the mm-hmm. uh, assassination of his brother John F. Kennedy, mm-hmm. and uh, you actually have a pretty vivid recollection of where you were at the time of the Kennedy assassination. Where were you? Yeah, I was in my room at the University of Pennsylvania practicing my swing, getting ready for that spring's baseball tryouts. And I'll tell you a JFK story. Um, when he was a senator, my father sensed that he was going places even higher. So he wrote him a note saying, uh, don't sign your name to so many pla- in so many places. It'll, make your, it'll diminish the value of your, uh, of, your, of your signature. So he sent my father a very effusive thank you letter and didn't sign it. <laughs> that's that's very funny. Um, you know the uh, you you mentioned your own uh, foray into uh, baseball tryouts at the University of Pennsylvania. You know more about baseball oh, than you on. know about movies. And oh well, uh, yeah, that that I like to think I do. I, yeah. Well, and and people know you as an authority when it comes to movies. You're suffering as I am the uh, postseason woes of being a Red Sox fan. I'm a Met fan. We're in the same uh, doghouse in the mm-hmm. same clubhouse this year. How do you see the World Series playing out this year. Uh, do you have a rooting interest? And if you would yeah, put on like, your analyst, I, I like the Dodgers. Like? I think the Braves might beat them, but I like the Dodgers because of their manager, who had the greatest stolen base in baseball history. And and uh, there's an ex another another ex Red Song, J J D Martinez. But I think Atlanta might beat them. But you never know. Look at the Tampa Bay was wiped out today. You just never know in a short series. And uh, the American League, it's, it, it's really hard to say. It really is. Uh, but I think Texas looks very good. They're, they're hitting again. I don't know that I'm going to watch it with the, with the same interest, of course, with the Red Sox if they were playing, or even the Mets or the Yankees. But uh, I, I, I miss baseball. When all life leaves planet Earth, and we have, to, we have two, two terrible teams in football, and the Knicks are around the corner, but I'm rooting for the Liberty. My son's a big uh, uh, LB, what is it, WNBA uh, authority, and then they're, they're going to play for, for the championship, so that'll, that'll be nice. I know you used to be uh, quite a prolific softball player, and I know, obviously, you pay uh, pretty close attention to the Major League Baseball season. When, when the Major League Baseball season ends, and now that your softball career has largely come to an end, yeah. aside from working on all your books, I know you're working on a new book now, which I want to ask you about, but what do you do all day? What does Jeffrey Lyons do for fun? Well, I also review, five, I do five movies pieces every week and send them to my syndicator on the radio. It's called Lion's Den Radio. I have industry news, I have movies coming, and I do two or three movies a week that I see. And I also do five baseball trivia questions and send those to other stations. And, you know, they're the heaviest man of steel home plate, the only, the, the only palindrome manager, Toby Harra, H-A-R-R-A-H, uh, I found a great question the other day. Well, one of my favorite questions is, so who am I? I? I played for the Yankees. I wore a single-digit number. I uh, married a blonde movie star. I'm a Hall of Famer, and I'm not Joe DiMaggio. The answer is Leo DeRocher. His <laughs> wife, Lorraine Day, was a famous actress in her time. Mar- Marilyn Monroe will be the most famous actress a thousand years from now. But those, those kind of questions. I found another question. The only two pl- I, I don't have their names handy. The only two players to be uh, thrown out of the game in the same at-bat. Well, one player had he uh, protested a, a called second strike, and he was thrown out. And the pinch hitter came up. Sure enough, he protested the third strike, and he was thrown out. So because baseball is, the, is a, not a back-and-forth game, as all the other sports are, I defend my territory and got in, get into yours, football, basketball, hockey, tennis, 
it, it has it's it's the team without the ball is the team on offense. So all sorts of oddities can come up, and I think it's the only sport where it's possible to see something that's never happened before. I can't explain what it is. Sometimes, for example, this year the Red Sox hit into a triple play, and I watched it. Runners on first and second, no outs, obviously. Fly ball to center field, drops in. Runner, the, 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 they throw him out at uh, first base. That's it. That, that's what, oh, he catches it. He catches the ball. Then they throw him out to first base. That's the second out. And then the runner on second thought he could make it to third, and he was thrown out at third base. It's the only 8-3-5. It's the first 8-3-5 triple play since 1884. Wow. No other sport has that. Yeah, no, that's, that's for sure. My idea... Uh, is, is that you and I are captured by Hezbollah and we're thrown into a jail in the Bakav Valley of Lebanon and we start talking baseball. I, I say, uh, you know, who's the only Met whose initials were M-E-T, Marv, you and, Marvelous Marvel and you, Ewing Throneberry? And you hit me with a question, and in a week they surrender to us. <laughs> yeah, but by the time I ask you who was the only Met, uh, who was the first Met catcher to hit forty home runs, they're willing to uh, they're willing to throw us out of there. No, no question about it. Hey, uh, Jeffrey, where do you come down on the heated debate, which we talked about on the radio recently, of of pie versus cake? You know, I ask this. It's like saying which children, which of my two children do I love the most? I like both of them. Give me a chocolate cake with a strawberry jam middle to it, and I'm a happy man. Give me a uh, – there's a great bakery on the way out to uh, the North Fork of Long Island, and they make the most succulent raspberry pies and, and, and blueberry muffins and apple pies uh, that you ever heard of. I can't distinguish one or the other. I can't see somebody putting a chocolate cake in front of you saying, I don't think so. <laughs> and key lime pie. I love key lime pie, too. So I'm, I'm, I'm in both camps. Hey, Jeffrey, obviously so many people have relied on your movie recommendations for the last, I don't know, half century or so. Yeah, to 19, guide 1970. To guide their choices about what to see. These days, the, the line between film and television is is becoming increasingly blurred. You mm-hmm. have uh, all these streaming platforms that movies are released on, but they also show TV shows. The TV shows are often shot a lot like movies. You, there's a couple of uh, Netflix shows that uh, that you're pretty high on these days. What are they? One called Treason. Uh, I like that a lot. I like a lot of docu- I saw a documentary about the Little Bighorn, Battle of the Little Bighorn, and I was a big cowboy movie buff. And I thought I knew a lot about it. And this told not just of the battle itself, but what happened afterwards. I never knew that. I, I did know that Sitting Bull, for example, toured us one season with Buffalo Bill, went to Europe and the Wild West show. But he was destitute, and he made ends meet by selling autographed pictures of himself before he was murdered. Wow. I mean, I didn't know that. And there are, there are all sorts of things. on that. And also, one of my top five, fav- five uh, favorite TV shows of all time is now back on Roku in reruns, Sea Hunt. Sea Hunt played from, 19, uh, played from 1958 to 62 with Lloyd Bridges as a skin diver, a scuba diver. And you see a young Larry Hagman and, and a young Leonard Nimoy, and, and, and you see uh, uh, Jack Nicholson was in a couple of them, and, and, it's, and it's in glorious black and white. And I got the chance to interview um, uh, Lloyd Bridges uh, you know, a few years before he passed away, and I, I love the fact that uh, he knew that he had a great fan in my brother and me. And, and uh, I, that's on every day on Roku, so I, I recommend that. There are all sorts of things there, so it makes it very convenient, particularly when the weather is bad. You know, if uh, people are just tuning in, we're talking with Jeffrey and Lyons. He's written a number of great books, including Hemingway and Me, Letters, Anecdotes, and Memories of a Life-Changing Friendship. But the fact of the matter is, whatever your interests are, Jeffrey has probably 
probably written a book about it. If you're interested in old New York, he's got a couple of books about that. If you're interested in baseball, there's a couple of books about that. Movies, you name it. And uh, there's it really just a, an incredible array of literature that you're responsible for, Jeffrey. One of the things that uh, you've alluded to before that you've got to educate me on is bullfighting. I know uh-huh. of your relationship with Heming- Hemingway, obviously, but you actually studied bullfighting well, in I Spain. Can't, I can't defend it. And, and everybody who says it's horrible and cruel, every American, is right. But it doesn't belong in our culture. It belongs where it is in Spain and Mexico. And it's dying out in, in, in some places. But when I was, uh, let's see, 11, my parents took me to Spain. This was 1956. And uh, Richard Condon, later to write The Manchurian Candidate in Pritzi's Honor, took us to something called the bullfight. My parents had been in the 40s in Mexico, but I was transfixed. I, I just, it's just, I was mesmerized by, by the danger and, and the drama of it. And the next day, uh, Orson Welles, who was my father's best friend, gave me a, a rudimentary uh, introduction to it. We went up to Pamplona, where they run the bulls through the streets, where I was later to run six different years with the bulls. Uh, and Daryl Zanuck was shooting The Sun Also Rises. And the bullfighter in that was played by Robert Evans, who later saved Paramount, and whose kid sister was the first crush I ever had in the fourth grade, and we're still friends. And in 1961, my father arranged, Hemingway, a month before he died, knew that I was interested in this. And so he arranged with his godson, Antonio Ordonia, the greatest matador of the 20th century, for my money, to have me along for the summer and travel with him. And he thought it would last one summer, and it lasted seven summers. And I started bringing my wife around. I've been to Spain 36 times since then. Do you see a pattern here? <laughs> and uh, I, that, that's a completely different world, and it's indefensible, but don't go up and, and shoot deer with a bow and arrow. And don't, uh, you know, and ho- even horse racing is, 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 is in some ways cruel, and dog racing. So our hands are not entirely clean. But, I don't know if she still is, but I know for a time your daughter was a vegan. I'm sure part of that no, is... She, she's not anymore. Oh, she's not. Okay. <laughs> no, so... she works for a meat distribution company now. Quite the contrary. Oh, see, that's the problem with converts. They become zealots. I was... Well, yeah, you can't be, you can't be a, 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 a chef in many places that, that are only vegan. Boy, you remember that. That's, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm impressed. But well, anyway, yeah. and I, in 1970, we went to a, the Spanish version of a coming out party, and they had rented a bull ring, and they had a fighting cow and a little calf, and they're nasty animals, and they can never be caped again, but uh, I was given the chance. I I went in, and I did three passes and got the heck out of there. But I knew what I was doing. I knew how to do it. I knew which passes I did, and I can say I've done it. I would never do it again. And, in fact, one of Spain's great matadors was killed by an animal that size. Wow. Yeah, uh, in a training exercise. But, uh, you know, I rode the the roads 2,000 miles a week by car in a three-car entourage up and down the peninsula, from the north, from Spain, southern France, I should say, down to Gibraltar, and every night you turn on the radio and you'd hear what the Spanish version of the ball scores are. They'll say um, Madrid almost full, bulls of such and such ranch with the three matadors. The first one, and they'd tell how they did all the time. And we were driving in one time in 19. This was the year 1964. I was there, and I picked up Phil Rizzuto's voice on Armed Forces Radio, and I'm the only one who's who speaks English here, and the, the, uh, the other bullfighters in the, uh, in the troop asked me to explain it to him, and I did. And I later be, uh, met, uh, became friendly with uh, Louis Tiant down at Red Sox training. He was pitching that night. That was his debut. And he told me pitch by pitch what that game was like. That's how much concentration it takes. 
Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. I, I, I don't doubt it. I don't doubt it at all. Hey, um, I've seen you in several films, but in every <laughs> film that I've ever seen you at, you've played yourself. You've played yes, Jeffrey Lyons. played himself in a movie once, and the critics said he was unconvincing. <laughs> Hey, but what people makes me surprised to know, obviously, I'm a big fan of uh, the Godfather franchise. But if you, oh. in Godfather Part Two, the legendary Lee Strasberg plays Hyman Roth. But he's yes. also he's probably best known these days as an acting teacher. Right. You actually studied acting with Lee Strasberg. I did. Why did, did you have to study acting if only you were going to play yourself? Well, I didn't know that that at the time. This was before I became a critic. This was 1970. It was a great place to meet beautiful girls. Ah, and that'll do it. it. That's how Rod Steiger became an actor. He went to he saw some looked into a classroom and there were some beautiful women there, and he was, decided to, uh, to to try it out. But it, it, I think it, it helped me as an actor. If, if you call what I did acting, I think it was loitering. But uh, I was in the French Connection. I was one of the reporters in a bit part, and then I w- did. A, I was in a Sidney Lumet movie. Uh, death trap and I had I can say wake me up in the middle of the night I can say my lines and it's not easy and it's something I never wanted to do and I also played myself in an episode of wise guy maybe it's appropriate but uh, it's it's an amazing way to make a living and I've I've grown up my, my godfather was a Pulitzer Prize winning playwright and he created the Bowery Boys. Are you old enough to know who they were? Absolutely. And Absolutely. He, Why I order is this legit? All that 1930s street uh, vernacular. And uh, he, he, his name was Sidney Kingsley. And his wife was Madge Evans, who was an ingenue in the 30s. And she was in David Copperfield. And she was in uh, Dinner at Eight. And, and every so often I see her movies on, uh, on Turner Classics. Turner Classics is a wonderful, wonderful channel. I wish everybody would have it. Uh, Martin Scorsese, obviously one of the best directors mm-hmm. of all time, he made headlines again this week uh, by once again slamming Marvel movies and saying that audiences have to fight back against these against the comic book culture and support directors like Christopher Nolan. A lot of people who like these Marvel movies, they, uh-huh. they kind of pushed back at Scorsese's comments. What, what do you make of what Scorsese had to say on I'm this I'm surprised front? he did that. You know, the night before, I, be- I respect him and like him. I know him ever so slightly. Uh, the night, the night before I became a critic, I had my father and I had the dinner with Ruth Gordon, who at the age of sixty-nine held up her first Oscar, saying, "You don't know how encouraging this is." 
And she told me, you're starting your career tomorrow as a critic. Think twice before you knock somebody else's work. And we need both people. We, every, every, every movie can't be a great film. Sometimes you, you put your, your brain on hold, and th- that supports other people in the industry. So I'm surprised he said that. I think there's too much violence in films. Or, and also what I object to when you're watching a baseball or a football game, and they go to a commercial, and it's for a movie, and everybody's carrying guns and, 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 and firing at each other, and their kids are watching. And that's not right either. You know, it's interesting. You've reviewed a lot of plays over the years. Do you still get to the theater much? Sometimes. Yeah. I, I just have so much. You know, my, I'm working on a new book, and uh, I, I'm, I'm making that my, my focus right now. So what I was going to say is it, what's interesting about theater, unlike other forms of entertainment uh, or technology, uh-huh. uh, theater was around 100 years ago, 200 years right. ago, 300 years ago. People still love it as, just as much as they did in the time of uh, Queen, uh, Queen Victoria. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm wondering why some forms of entertainment, some forms of media endure, theater, for instance, whereas something like newspapers, they're, they're really struggling. I know. I wonder the same thing for for radio because you ask someone under under forty what kind of radio that you have what do they have they look at you like you have five heads what do you think is the secret sauce there Jeffrey how, how can radio be like theater an enduring medium that stays with generation after generation and not end up like say newspapers first you need people like me who sometimes can't get back to sleep so they tune into <laughs> you and great radio is great storytelling I loved Gene Shepard when I was a kid. Uh, you know, the, the, the raconteur. Sure. And he would tell, particularly about when he would talk about the old Chicago White Sox, his favorite player was Mike Krivich. He says, that's a name, Krivich. Uh, it, it, I, I think you should give it a chance. And also the fact that AM radio was recently threatened by, 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 uh, by Musk, that's, that, that can't be. Radio is vital for many reasons. All, and and, and all, sorts, all sorts of reasons. I grew up listening to rock and roll on, on WABC. And every time I hear you play, hear it's played on weekends on your show, for my old Camp Swago counselor, Bruce Morrow, cousin Brucey, the summer of 1953. Is that true? He was yep. your camp counselor? i got to ask him about that. That's Camp wild. Swago, the summer of 1953. Uh, it brings back memories. It's an absorbing medium, and you don't have to sit. Basically, reading a newspaper it takes time. You've got to stop what you're doing and read it, and I wish more people did. None of the newsstands around midtown Manhattan that seem to have any uh, newspapers anymore. That's in the past year or two. There are one or two big, big uh, uh, newsstands, but not the way it used to be. And that's a dying, it's a dying art, but we need newspapers. It's the print. It's right there. Reading it online is one thing. I need the stain of the ink on my hands. It reminds me when I was, uh, would go down to my father's office. My father wrote a Broadway column six days a week for the New York Post, which was a different paper back then, and published all around the country. And uh, Carl Sandburg, America's greatest Lincoln scholar, one said, I wish we'd Leonard Lyons had been around to write his column back in Lincoln's time. We really know what New York was like. <laughs> so that was the impetus for my newest book. I'm writing it now. It's, uh, I decided that since my father was not around in the Civil War, he was writing during World War II. So I have every column he ever wrote, more than 12,700. Each one's a thousand words long. And I pulled out 1939 and started on September 1st and to see what was going on in Hollywood and what was going on in the war and what was going on in New York. And I got some great stories that are otherwise long forgotten. Uh, you remember, you're old enough to remember Red Buttons, right? Absolutely. Well, Red Buttons was a young comic, and he's about to make his Broadway debut in a comedy set at Pearl Harbor called The Admiral Takes a Wife. Opening night, December 8th, 1941. Well, that Sunday... 
<laughs> the, the director called the cast in and said, kids, the show's canceled. We can't go. And Red, young Red Buttons breathed a sigh of relief. He said, oh, I was so relieved. I thought you were going to cut out my comedy lines. <laughs> also, and the, the day after Pearl Harbor, W.C. Fields and John Barrymore tried to enlist in the Marines. But they did it after visiting three different bars. And they arrived there, staggered into the Marine Corps recruiting, not to make fun of alcoholism, but, this, but these two characters were thrown out because the Marine behind the desk thought they'd been sent there by the Japanese. So you get all sorts of stories. I found my father wrote about a, a commander of a battleship. And after a battle, they were heading back to Pearl Harbor six days away. And he cracked a tooth and he was in immense pain. So he decided to grit it out and he put the cotton in his tooth and went to sleep, woke up the next day. There was a hospital ship parked, uh, uh, moored right next to his ship with a dentist on board with his family dentist as the dentist. Those are the amazing little stories of World War II that I'm digging up all the time. So it's a great joy, and I hear my father's voice telling me about it. That's great. I, I can't wait to read that. Uh, and by the way, if people are interested in uh, Leonard Lyons, they should check out your book, What a Time It Was, a, a terrific, uh, terrific book and a look what he back. Would do, what he would do is he would go from... Uh, no, he, he worked from noon till dawn. He, he would wake up at noon. He, he had hours, something like yours. Yeah, I can And empathize. he would go to uh, uh, lunch places. He never used the word celebrity, never. He, when he, newsworthy. He said, I'll write about my sister in Brooklyn if she's newsworthy. And once in a while, my Tante Rosie was newsworthy. He goes to places like Sardi's and 21, and, which doesn't exist anymore, I can't believe, and about 12 places. And he'd see well-known people, and they call him, Lenny, i got a great story for you. And he'd write the column, and he turned it in. Now, his competitors, Ed Sullivan, Louis Sobel, High Gardner, all the columnists of that day, Charlie Knickerbocker, they did the same thing, and they quit. They were done for the day. My father came home, pitched a couple of innings to his four sons across the street in Central Park, and went out again at night to get to 13 more places, coming home at 1 o'clock in the morning and updating the column that he had turned in at 6 o'clock on the phone. No word processor, uh, no electric typewriter. And, and then at, at 6 o'clock, he finished and maybe spent half an hour writing a magazine piece when we were getting up, and he'd do it again six days a week. He did it for 40 years. And that, missed two days, I think, the day his mother died. That is uh, incredible. I, I always had a feeling he was somewhat lazy, and now you've confirmed <laughs> it. Uh, tongue with uh, Jeffrey Lyons. Hey, uh, Jeffrey, uh, you talk about that era. You know, Ed Sullivan had uh -huh. some uh, really interesting feuds over the years with Walter Winchell. I know your, your father... Well, was something of a competitor to Walter Winchell. Give us a little insight into the Leonard Lyons-Walter Winchell relationship or lack thereof. Good. I'm, as I used to say in the, the Army McCarthy hearings, I'm glad you asked me that, <laughs> Senator. Uh, Winchell was a strange man. They, they say it's been said you can judge by a, how a person lived their life three ways. What they say when they're drunk, where they gave to char which charities they gave to, and how many people show up at their funeral. Well, uh, my father had a thousand people at his funeral, and the eulogy was given by John Lindsay. And one person showed up at Walter Winchell's funeral, his daughter, Walda. Now, we Jews don't name our children after living people, but he did. He was a strange man, but in a way, my father owed something to him, because when he was hired by the Daily Mirror, they, his name was Walter Winchell, W.W., the New York Post was looking for a columnist, and they changed my father's name. Uh, to to Lyons from I was going to say from Morano was a good joke but <laughs> it, it used to be uh, he was born Leonard Sucher 
And on Monday morning, the, 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 on a Friday afternoon, I should say, the editor said, come in Monday, you'll have a new name. And he changed it to Leonard Lyons. And Winchell named the column, actually, the Lyons Den. And they had a love-hate relationship. But Winchell threatened to kill my father once. He carried a gun, never voted in his life. But he created the genre of the daily column. And he, you know, he, he, he was a very tough man. And I, last time I saw him, I was an intern at WINS. And I covered the Chicago Convention of 1968. Little did I know that I would marry the daughter of a Chicago police sergeant, but that's another story. And and I said, oh, Mr. Winston, my, my father, I said, where are you working now? Because the, the, the Daily News had died in a newspaper strike. He said, I'm telling my lies for Mr. Hearst now. That's the last I saw of him. He died a very bitter man. <laughs> I, I clear, Clearly. Hey, uh, l- lastly, Jeffrey, and I could talk with you all day, but uh, it does appear that um, the upcoming film that Woody Allen is releasing is uh, going to be his last. And they say that uh, it might be his best film since uh, since Midnight in Paris. Uh, do you think this is true? You think Woody's really done making films? And I hope not. And- I don't know. He did come to my father's funeral. I'll never forget that. Uh, I don't know. If I see him, I will ask him, and I don't know that he'll tell me. I, I just don't, I hope I hope he keeps making films. I don't know what to believe about his strange accusations about him. I don't know. I don't put that. I put that out of my mind. For example, when Mel Gibson made a movie called Apocalypto, this was after that scandal. Sure. He, he made some anti-Semitic remarks and this and that. I put that out of my mind, and I thought it was a great film. It's what's up on the screen, and I got rid of all my prejudices against him. And the, I, I, I refer to him sometimes as he who shall not be mentioned, but it was a brilliant film. So I have to put that out of my mind, and I hope he makes another one, because he's given me so many laughs over the years, and so many other people, too. You, you, I know I said that was the last question, but I'll end with this. You, um, you mentioned how the New York Post was a, a different paper uh-huh. when, uh, when your father wrote for it. The former film critic for the New York Post is actually Michael Medved, who's been a guest on this program, and yes. he was your partner on sneak previews. Now, it's no secret that Michael, I don't even know what these labels mean anymore, but he considers himself a conservative. I'm not sure a lot of the people that are that are uh, throwing out their own speaker would consider him a conservative by today's political spectrum. You tend to be on the other side of the political equation. Mm-hmm. When you I guys am. were doing uh, that show regularly, sneak previews, what were the debates like that you guys would have off camera oh, about politics were, and news they were, of the day? They were done out of friendship. You know, my idea of a, of a harsh conservative back then was George W. Bush. That's what, that's how different the times were. Uh, but we had great respect for each other. And, he, you know, he lived on the West Coast. I live in the East Coast. He's a Phillies fan. I'm a Red Sox fan. And it was done out of friendship. There was no bitterness. There was no vituperation. There was no nastiness. And if you look today, I mean, if I may, Trump sent a nasty telegram saying, calling all the late night hosts last night, all losers. I mean, it, it, there was none of that pettiness. It was a, res- a mutual respect that is, that is, I think, gone now. And I don't know if we'll ever get it back. I certainly hope we do. But they were great years. Same we same beat here. Siskel and Ebert in the ratings a lot of the times. And PBS had no money for publicity. And we, we did it because we were better than they were. And yeah. they were just, they didn't, they wanted nobody else to review movies. They didn't want that anybody else except them. <laughs> and, we, you know, we, we, we came out winning it. We, we did it for 12 seasons. As then you, I went to NBC. As you say, what a, what a time it was. Jeffrey Lyons, uh, check out his latest book, Hemingway and Me, Letters, Anecdotes, and Memories of a Life-Changing Friendship. But if you go on Amazon and type in Jeffrey Lyons, a whole world opens up. <laughs> Jeffrey, thank you as always. I look forward to the next time, too. Same here. Uh, if you want to comment on any portion of our conversation, you can give me a call. 800-848-9222. 800-848-9222. This is The Other Side of Midnight. Straight ahead. The Other Side of Midnight.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.